The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 382, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Wednesday, December 7th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Wednesday nights, we air at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we cover MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, we air at the same time, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and cover gaming, entertainment, and sometimes a little tech for good measure. This show is being broadcast both in audio and video formats at mtrlive.com. You can go there and participate in the chat, watch the live video feed and listen to the live audio feed uh videos also being simulcast to stream up vaughn live daily motion youtube live and twitch audio is simulcast to the mixler app which you can find for ios or android devices uh m-i-x-l-r is how it's spelled download the app punch in my take radio and you'll be able to listen to tonight's live show plus live episodes of black is the new black if you so choose In addition to that, of course, you can use our call-in number 347-324-3541 as another method of listening to the show, even though the audio quality is slightly lower. Of course, if you want to participate, uh, just hit option one. Slick will queue you up and you'll be able to participate in tonight's broadcast. A couple of things before we jump into this week's MMA and wrestling stuff. Uh, First and foremost, as many of you know, uh, we will be wrapping up live shows in January. The last shows for twenty uh, for 2016 will be December 14th and December 15th. Uh, those are going to be, you know, a little bit more open format uh, year end special type of shows. Um, and of course, we will be back probably second week of January. First week is what we're shooting for, but more than likely second week to do two live shows for 2017 and then jump back into releasing the show in podcast format. Once again, I want to reassure everyone that we are not doing away with My Take Radio, just moving away from the live format for the time being, just because we are doing, 
you know, a bunch of other things. I'm managing a couple of other projects. And because of that, you know, it's, it's tougher to manage live broadcasts. But the release schedule for podcast episodes of the show will remain the same. Uh, Wednesdays, you'll get MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, you'll get gaming and entertainment. We'll probably throw some specials in there for good measure. In addition to that, you guys probably already know, but let me remind you anyway. In addition to getting My Take Radio, you can get all of the other shows on the RageWorks Podcast Network, including The Variant Issue, Call Me When It's Over, the regular season sports cast, and Black is the New Black. So, you know, in addition to, of course, MTR, you have all those shows at your disposal, and you can find them by punching in the RageWorks Network, or even the show titles I've noticed are are leading people to um, all of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, some updates with regards to uh, Google Play and also um, Spotify. We were actually emailed recently about those developments. Spotify appears to be a little tougher because podcasts that are showing up on Spotify are part of a pilot program. So we actually are hoping to be chosen. And I think with the variety of content that we offer it should be a no-brainer, but again, I wanted to give you guys that latest update since we got that email earlier this week. I am very excited to head to Spotify. I'm also very excited to head to iHeartRadio, which also uh, has a bit of a pilot program for podcasting, but I've heard from you know our vendor that's been helping us with this that it's going to be uh, a lot easier to get into um, iHeartRadio versus Spotify, which is still in a bit of a trial basis. But again, we will keep you guys updated. Once we are on those platforms, we will issue an official statement on RageWorks.net. Uh, this week, we got, as I said, we got new episodes of MTR. We got a brand new episode of The Variant Issue. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's been checking out the show, sending in their feedback. Uh, in addition, brand new TRSS this week. I believe Jay will be calling in later today. Uh, later this evening to talk some wrestling. Um, call me when it's over, of course. And Ben and Taylor actually recorded a brand new episode of Black is the New Black. I know a lot of you guys were asking uh, what was going on with those guys. Just, you know, real life gets in the way. Uh, hopefully for 2017, we're going to try and establish a bit more, uh, a, you know, a more concrete broadcast schedule for those guys. Hopefully uh, maybe bi-weekly or maybe once a month. We'll see what the story is. Just something that can maintain some consistency. I know a lot of you guys are are big fans of Ben and Taylor's work, and I'm going to try my best to ensure that everybody is on an even uh, platform for the new year. As I said, you know, the last episodes, December 14th, December 15th, uh, keep an eye out for any changes. If there are any, more than likely, I don't see that being the case, but those will be the last ones before we head into the holiday season. Now, we do got a couple of contests going on right right you know right around the corner. Uh the first one we have is the Star Wars Black Series contest. We've partnered up with our friends at Entertainment Earth for this awesome giveaway and we will be announcing the winner of that contest on the December 15th Gaming and Entertainment edition of My Take Radio. Uh for rules and official Entry information, just head over to RageWorks and you guys can see all the details about that contest. A really great prize that we're giving away. And again, if you're a Star Wars fan or even a Black Series collector, you're going to definitely want to get your hands on these because these figures, their set of clone troopers, are only released via Entertainment Earth. So again, these are uh, nice and exclusive 
and they have agreed to partner with us for that. Uh, myself and Jimbo Slice have also partnered up with Newberry Comics. We are doing a 12 Days of Christmas giveaway. Every day we will randomly select someone who follows some of the predetermined rules that we give you, and we will give you a mystery Newberry Comics gift card. Uh, we don't know how much the gift cards can be, but we know that we will have 12 of them for the 12 days of Christmas. We're going to be doing a daily giveaway. Uh, first one goes live December 13th. And um, the winner of that, we will probably, you know, announce on the site daily. So be on the lookout for that Con contest goes live December 13th and we'll go on through uh, the 12 days all the way up till Christmas Day. And of course, there's going to be numerous ways to enter numerous ways that you can win. Uh, it could be as easy as answering some questions from the golden ticket segment of our show. If you're not familiar with that, make sure you listen to uh, this week's episode of the variant issue to get familiar with that. Uh, it could be as, you know, following one of us on Twitter or, you know, following Newberry comics. We're going to give you guys multiple opportunities to win these. And again, we are going to be choosing the winners at random. So, you know, there's going to be numerous ways to enter. And if you miss maybe the first day, maybe you'll get lucky the second day or the third day. But, um, you know, we're doing something really cool. We want to thank Newberry Comics for that. And Jimbo Slice, shout out to him for pulling the strings to get that together. So that's a great giveaway for anyone who is uh, a big a big comic geek or is into collecting action figures, pops, whatever. Uh, you can use the gift card for whatever you want. Newberry Comics, in addition to selling all that awesome geeky stuff, also sells vinyl. So if you are still into vinyl or a collector, you may want to put that gift card towards that. But again, keep an eye out for that on RageWorks.net. And for the golden tickets for the first part of the contest, make sure to listen to the latest episode of The Variant Issue for those details. All right. So what do we got on deck for tonight? We're going to talk about the ultimate fight, the ultimate fighter season finale. Well, I guess that I guess you want to call it the finale or the finals. Um, I got to be honest. I didn't watch this past season of the ultimate fighter too much MMA. And I just feel that the ultimate fighter has definitely lost a step. But I was pleasantly surprised by how enjoyable the card was. Demetrius Johnson once again showing why he is the fucking truth. And, um, you know, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about. Some Conor McGregor news, because, of course, it wouldn't be a week in MMA without Conor McGregor and a bunch of other assorted topics on the wrestling side of things. Of course, we are going to talk about this past Sunday's TLC pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to talk about Raw, the fallout from that pay-per-view on SmackDown. We're going to talk a little bit about 205 Live and, of course, the wrestling news of the week. As always, if you're interested in participating, head over to mtrlive.com, hop in the chat. You can participate that way, or you can call into the show, 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. All right, let's get this party started and jump into some MMA, shall we? So as I said, this past weekend was the f the final for the Ultimate Fighter, and I gotta say, you know, I didn't watch the season. I went into the season blind, essentially. I went into the uh, the tough finale blind, 
But the card itself had some pretty solid fights. You know, when it comes down to the bugs, you know, the bad, the ugly, and the good, there were definitely more good things than ugly things. And I really didn't find anything bad about the card. Uh, In terms of the ugly, I got to say the um, Gray Maynard, Ryan Hall fight was ugly. A lot of people were upset about the way that fight went. Um, You know, I guess people thought that Ryan Hall was going to stand there and get punched in the face by Gray Maynard. If you're not familiar with Ryan Hall, this guy is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu whiz. He is no fucking joke on the ground. Uh, just an, an incredible mat fighter. And don't get me wrong, he can he can hold his own on the stand-up. But if you've watched uh, Ryan Hall's performances on The Ultimate Fighter, and even his fights in general, you know that it all leads to him taking you to the ground and submitting you very easily. Of course, Gray Maynard scouted that quite well, and needless to say, the fans were not impressed with the way that fight panned out. Uh, Ryan Hall did take the fight. I gotta say, as a fan, I understand the science of every aspect of of the sport, and sometimes, you know, uh, there's just certain matchups from a stylistic standpoint that don't work as they should. Um, Sometimes, you know, two grapplers can have a really good match, or it can be a very boring match. The same can be said with two strikers, in in some capacity, sometimes it's just two guys circling the cage, excuse me, for 15 minutes and no and no real action happening. It's it's going to vary. You know, styles do make fights. That's that's something that people should definitely be aware of. And I just felt that as much as I like Ryan Hall and as impressive as his performance uh, as his performances are, the the matchup with Gray Maynard just wasn't pretty, man. It really was an ugly, ugly fight. Um, There were some good fights. Um. Sarah McMahon, Alexis Davis was tremendous. Jorge Masvidal and Ellenberger's fight was solid. And Demetrius Johnson's fight with Tim Elliott was proof positive that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is the real fucking deal. Uh, Tim Elliott came in and definitely showed some some real fire in that fight. Some some shades of, uh, you know, getting getting the champ in trouble. And, you know, what ended up happening was Demetrius Johnson dialed it in, got it together, and showed why he is the dominant champion that he is in his division and secured the victory. Now, a lot of people were bent out of shape about it because they felt that, you know, the way that the UFC has treated Demetrius Johnson has been a disservice to him as a fighter. And I got to say, Demetrius Johnson is probably one of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. And I hate to say it, but you wouldn't know that because the UFC doesn't really do shit to put him out there. But you know, Demetrius Johnson, besides being a hardcore gamer, which you should follow him on Twitch if you're a fan, uh, is just a, a great ambassador for the sport. A family man goes in there, dials it in and does what he has to do. And, you know, yes, he's not he's not as brash and outspoken as a guy like Conor McGregor or, or Chael Sonnen, but he goes out there and he does the damn job. And I think that his fight with Tim Elliott just reinforced why why he is one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet. Now, makes you wonder you know, Henry Cejudo and Joe Benavides both have strong cases to challenge. But at the end of the day, I really feel that we should start looking at Demetrius Johnson as one of the guys that we can look at for super fights. Not that him fighting Henry Cejudo or Joe Benavides would be bad by any by any means. It would not be bad. But I also feel that Demetrius Johnson is a guy who should be rewarded with great opportunities. And I think if he went out there and he fought you know, at some of the higher weight classes, even if it's super fights or just to try out, you know, his skill set in that weight class, I think he definitely is one of the guys that has deserved 
that honor. I mean, you know, it's very easy for a lot of people to be enamored with with a guy like Conor McGregor going in and, you know, oh, I'm going to fight at 145 and I'm going to fight at 155 and I'm going to fight at 170 and I'm going to fight at 185. And everybody's all into it because obviously it's just mayhem and insanity when when he's involved. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to being a complete fighter, being a person that could fight anytime, any place, anywhere, there's very few people that come to mind that embody that more than a guy like Demetrius Johnson or Donald Cowboy Cerrone. These are these are guys that, you know, they put they put their their, you know, they put their gloves on and they go to work. It's not, you know, it's artistic sometimes, but it essentially is, you know, just a showcase of how complete of a fighter these individuals are. Now, of course, people are going to say that, yeah, well, Demetrius Johnson is boring or whatever. Demetrius Johnson is as good as can be. At the end of the day, people people always forget that the whole point of fighting is to not get your ass kicked. Plain and simple. And a guy like Demetrius Johnson knows how to use every tool in his arsenal to ensure that that does not happen. You know, he doesn't take a lot of damage. Uh, he fights smart. And like I said, probably one of the best complete fighters in the UFC today. And, you know, it's a shame that he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I think that his performance and, you know, this this past weekend's card was was stellar. And if you haven't seen it, please do yourselves a favor and check it out. Uh, in terms of fight bonuses that were handed out, $50,000. Uh, Sarah McMahon got a $50,000 performance bonus. Anthony Smith got a $50,000 performance bonus and fight of the night went to Jared Cannonier taking on Ian Cutalaba. I probably murdered that poor guy's name. Uh, but in any case, those were your, your $50,000 noteworthy performances from the ultimate fighter 24 finale. Now I will add, and this was something I talked about a couple of weeks back that there is a lot of rumor and speculation that, you know, the ultimate fighter is going to be winding down just because the new owners of the UFC don't see an upside to that type of a show anymore, especially when, you know, the the mixed martial arts landscape is so vast and wide open now. You can find fighters anywhere and everywhere. So, you know, I'm I'm 50-50 on it. I think that a lot of the reason that the Ultimate Fighter has lost its luster is because they just kept cranking them out. They didn't really find the same chemistry that they had during, you know, during the Tito and Shamrock days or, you know, any of those, any of those days in, in the beginning, the first, I, I want to say five seasons were probably some of the best for a variety of reasons. And we got a lot of awesome talent out of that from guys like Kenny Florian to, you know, standouts like Rashad Evans. We can go on and on and on about all the greatness that came out of the ultimate fighter. Of course, you know, Stefan Bonner, and Forrest Griffin just putting it all on the line and essentially uh, thrusting MMA into the mainstream landscape was something that you cannot deny the ultimate fighter, you know, helped to do. But I also got to say that they they just went too many times to the well. They, they could have ended it on a high note. And honestly, we're we're in a situation where you can probably do a tournament, you know, a one night tournament or something like that and get the same effect and just make it an event that people will genuinely want to attend or tune into. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, on the news side of things, there were a couple of different things I wanted to talk about. GSP uh, did a conference call recently to discuss the MMA Athletes Association. And, um, you know, he expressed desire to get Conor McGregor on board. MMA Junkie transcribed a lot of the call. And 
you know, one of the things that came up, as I said, was his desire to get Conor McGregor involved. And he said, even though Conor McGregor is the most well-paid athlete, he doesn't have his fair share of what he should have. And I'm saying this from the top, con- the top contestant to, to-, to Conor McGregor. They don't have their fair share. And, you know, it's interesting because one of the parallels on, on air and also in the chat room that has come up a lot is the differences between the payouts in a sport like boxing and a sport like mixed martial arts. And the thing is, I definitely feel that there, there definitely could be, uh, you know, a better pay scale in the sport of MMA. I know that certain guys obviously are going to get paid more, which, you know, it's, it's the case. I mean, it's no different than in the NFL or MLB or any, any other sport where the guys that are head and shoulders above everyone else are going to make a little extra money. I mean, there are some guys that, you know, they play it for the love of the game and they just make money as it comes along. But then there are guys that get these astronomical contracts and they genuinely deserve it. Now, am I saying it's right? Am I saying it's wrong? No, but I do feel that the the pay scale in mixed martial arts has a long way to go. And I think that that Conor McGregor is one of those one of those guys that is setting a precedent. You know, we've talked about this when with pro wrestling, when guys like Hall and Nash, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Undertaker, a lot of those veterans that were financially savvy, you know, they they changed the landscape of how, you know, the companies, the wrestling industry conducted business, you know, guaranteed deals, uh, profit margins for merchandise, et cetera. I mean, the UFC is is adding some of that. I'm sure that, you know, Conor McGregor may get a cut of pay-per-view revenue depending on how his deal is structured or Ronda Rousey may be getting some also. Um, but there's there's something I got to say with that, and that is that organizations that come in to advocate for the fighters, it you know, we talked about this last week, it's going to be either really good for the sport really or really bad. And that's because of a lot of the, the preconceived notions that are coming in. I mean, a guy like GSP being a face of this type of an organization is crucial. Um, a guy like Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who's an upstanding guy involved in this type of an endeavor, definitely lends... Um, you know, some validity to what they're trying to accomplish, but it's still, it's still a wait and see approach. When, um, when asked about the possibility of Conor McGregor being involved in the organization, he said the UFC will probably do everything they can to make it not happen. But every voice counts for us from the biggest draw in the UFC to the smallest fighter. Every voice counts. You know, he was also asked about Conor. He was also asked about Conor's success. And he said, I know a lot of fighters talk bad about Conor, but because it's the business, they could be jealous because he's also a great fighter, but he's also someone who sold himself very well, and he did very well for himself. For me, I'm not jealous. I am very happy for him. And this is something we've talked about before, that, you know, one thing that guys like Chael, Conor McGregor, um, even even old school guys like Rampage, Vanderlei Silva, they were draws because they brought something unique to the sport. You know, you had a guy like Vanderlei Silva whose intensity and ferocity was never seen before in the sport of mixed martial arts. You had a guy like Rampage, who was just an, an over-the-top personality with some of the most devastating slams in the game. Uh, going back to uh, guys like Anderson Silva, who were you know some of the most complete fighters on the planet, to Fedor, who would come out completely stoic and emotionless and then just fucking obliterate you. There's There's something to be said about why some of these fighters are at the top of the food chain and why some of your favorite fighters may not be. And there's... There's obviously a multitude of factors there, but one thing that has to be considered is how well you sell yourself as an athlete. And if you're not, 
if you're not well versed in selling yourself, then it's something you got to get comfortable doing because at the end of the day, the only person who's going to fight for you and for your family is you. And, you know, a guy like the, you know, guys like the Diaz brothers that go out there, you know, and they talk shit, they keep it real, uh, you know, they don't pull any punches. Yes, part of that is obviously to sell a fight and do what they got to do. But the other part of that is because nobody's going to step up and do it for them because that's that you know, those aren't the athletes that that want that people want to promote all the time. See, with Conor McGregor, it's a little different because he's a caricature. He's he's he embodies the lavish fighter lifestyle that we see in movies. You know, when Rocky was at the top of the uh, top of the food chain with the with the fucking robot and everything else. And everybody was just waiting for him to get knocked on his ass. And, you know, McGregor is the same thing. This is a guy who's who's living an excessive lifestyle. I don't know, you know, how frugal he is with his money. But at the end of the day, it's it's that type of flamboyance and and craziness that that gets people invested in in these guys. And then there's other individuals who are just so intense and so vicious that they don't have to do a lot of shit talking. I mean, Vanderlei Silva did very little talking in the pride days. He'd come out there. He'd have an intense face off with you. That bell would ring. And you you had to kill that guy. You either had to kill him or you had to be you had to be more ferocious than he was. Uh, you look at a guy like Mirko Krokop, uh, another dangerous guy. A guy came out stoic but dangerous, and he let his athleticism speak for him for himself. And then you have individuals like the late Kevin Randleman who just looked larger than life and were just amazing athletes. It's it's something that you know it's a cycle of the sport. It's a cycle of the business and. You know, for a guy like McGregor, who's been, you know, the subject of numerous headlines uh, this week, it's it, it's only going to get crazier. I mean, the next piece of, of news I wanted to talk about was the fact that Conor McGregor was issued a boxing license in the state of California. As many of you know, everybody's been on, on and off in terms of will they, won't they, uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. And the thing is, and I've said this before, you know. The, the necessity for people to want to see two different sports or two different athletes compete in, in, in one particular athlete sport never, never fares well. It never does. And I, I hate to say it. It just it just doesn't happen. And for all the people that want to see McGregor go out there and fight Floyd Mayweather and think that McGregor is going to be all of a sudden, you know, this amazing boxing prodigy and he's going to take apart Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather's record, whether you love him or hate him, speaks to the caliber of fighter that he is, you know, good fighters don't fucking get hit. And if they are letting themselves get hit, it may be just because they want to, they want to get a little bit more intensity. They want to get dialed in, but you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Floyd Mayweather for different reasons, but I respect the way that the guy has, you know, presented himself and the fact that, you know, he goes out there and he fucking, he does the damn thing. And whether you love him or hate him, you're going to tune in and he's brought in some of the largest paydays, Ever. I mean, him, Manny Pacquiao, you know, you go down the list and then we got, you know, a lot of the up and coming guys that everybody talks about that are that are doing the same thing. Just, you know, changing the industry, turning it on its head. Now, obviously, McGregor getting the boxing license makes it interesting. Uh, The California State Athletic Commission's executive officer, Andy Foster, said he got a license today and a federal ID. He's a California boxer now. Now, you know, of course, are, are are many of us interested in seeing how uh you know a bo- you know McGregor's boxing debut would would pan out? I'm I'm definitely interested, but again, we look at him, we look at guys like CM Punk, we look at guys 
like Herschel Walker. We look at all these different individuals and, you know, they're coming from different sports and going into other sports. And yeah, some guys have it. Some guys don't. And some guys just get lucky. I mean, when Herschel Walker was fighting in strike force, you know, I, I, I read up on Herschel Walker and I said to myself, oh man, it's another fucking football guy thinking that they could just come in and fight in mixed martial arts. And then I did my homework and I realized that Herschel Walker was an accomplished martial artist and he went out there and, and am I saying that the guy he fought was questionable? Maybe, but he did, he did a hell of a job. He conducted himself well, he respected the sport and he looked amazing doing it. I mean, the same could be said for the, you know, the late Kimbo slice who, you know, he, he, he cut his teeth, so to speak, uh, in the street fighting circuit. And it wasn't until people were like, oh, you should fight an MMA that he took the plunge, you know, going on the ultimate fighter, getting signed by Bellator. And, you know, the rest is history. At the end of the day, you know, you look at these guys and you're you want them to succeed. Did I you know when I, I wanted CM Punk to succeed? Did I want him to get obliterated? No, I did want him to succeed. I didn't expect for him to get dismantled the way he did, but I would have liked to have seen him fare better. Now, does this mean that, you know, fighters and athletes should improve themselves? No, not at all. What it means is that you got to respect the discipline that goes into that particular sport, and you got to realize that you're coming into it as a newbie. It doesn't matter the the MMA record that McGregor has. It doesn't matter the highlight real performances that he had. At the end of the day, he is a new fish. And because of that, you know, it's it's a matter of how he fares and how well he he he, you know, he embraces the grind. But at the end of the day, and I talked about this, you know, on on a, a couple of previous episodes, the fact is that you know, these guys are coming in wanting to do all this stuff and it's not something that they've done on a consistent basis. Like, yes, you know, McGregor has great stand-up for MMA. Does that mean that he's a, a decent boxer? Maybe. But it's not something that he's going out there and it's his base. You know, it's different with a guy like um, Marcus Davis, the uh, the Irish hand grenade. He was an accomplished boxer that made a transition to MMA. And if he wanted, he could have gone bo- back to boxing because it was his basis. And then he just added to that by picking up other disciplines along the way. It's a lot different for a wrestler to get good at stand-up. I mean, GSP is is a freak of nature. But even GSP, if you watch his striking over, over the last few years, and then you watched how his striking changed when he worked with Freddie Roach, you'll understand that the guy's striking evolved because the discipline that was presented helped him evolve. It wasn't something where, you know, I train, I train boxing twice a week and all of a sudden I'm going to go and fight for the title. And even then GSP applied, you know, what he learned and he dismantled Josh Koscheck in his fight with just jabs. And what I'm saying about this is that GSP is a sponge and he's a, you know, he's a freak of nature. Now, does that mean that, you know, a guy like Conor McGregor isn't going to fare the same? Maybe. But for all these people that are sitting here clamoring, oh, I can't wait to see him you know, whoop Mayweather's ass. I, I mean, these are, it, it would be no different than Mayweather saying he's going to train mix, you know, he's going to train in MMA and he's going to come and fight in the cage. And everybody's like, oh, Mayweather's going to come in. And he's going to fuck everybody up. No, that's not how this shit works. And that's what, that's what bums me out. You know, people just want to see that so, so badly. And what that ends up doing is damaging legacies, period. That's, that's how I see it. And 
am I am I interested in seeing what happens now that he's a a sanctioned boxer in the state of California? Sure, but does he need to go out there and and fight Floyd Mayweather and just get embarrassed? No, you know he could do a couple of smokers, maybe fight on an undercard, and then if he if he proves himself and he's serious, maybe maybe we get ourselves a nice little a nice little money fight. But don't just say, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna box and then I'm just gonna go and fight Floyd Mayweather. Can't do that. Can't. You really can't. Now, the last bit of McGregor news, and this should be on the entertainment side of things, is a rumor that he is being scouted for Game of Thrones. As many of you know, Game of Thrones is on its final two seasons, and they do a lot of the filming of the show in Ireland. Uh, they do filming in the UK, and people are, are have been very, very secretive about whether the deal is finalized or not. But a lot of people are saying that McGregor is being pitched to show up on an episode of Game of Thrones. I, you know, I don't I don't think anything of it. I don't think, you know, it's good. I don't think it's bad. It's just like, all right, you know, the guy, you know, they film in Ireland. He's a recognizable guy. Who knows? Maybe he'll show up, be a wildling or or some or, you know, a member of the Night's Watch or some crazy shit. Nothing over the top and whatever. More power to him. Anyway, for those of you that are in New York City and are looking forward to the next MMA event in New York City, there is an MMA event going down in Madison Square Garden on December 31st. But if you are a Brooklyn resident and are waiting for the UFC to make their way to the Barclays, you're not going to have to wait very long as it appears that the upcoming February 11th card at the Barclays will now serve as UFC 208. Um, you know, I think that that doing that is is going to be good, you know, making it a marquee event. I think that the Barclays is a good arena and I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how MMA is received in Brooklyn. That's not to say that it's going to be any different than how it was in Madison Square Garden, but I'm just curious to see how the Barclays venue is able to be utilized for for a for an MMA event. I mean, you know, the the garden was just a fucking spectacle and you guys know that when I talked about uh my my adventures with the weigh-ins and everything else, but curious to see how the Barclays uh holds it down when it goes down for UFC 208, February 11th. Mark that down on your calendars. So UFC Fight Night 103 going down January 15th. Got a really awesome fight added to the card. Uh, Joe Lazan is going to be taking on Marcin Held. Uh, Held originally fought in Bellator, now fighting in the UFC. I think he and and Joe Lazan are going to put together an amazing fight. Also, of course, on that card, BJ Penn is fighting, taking on Yair Rodriguez. Court McGee is going to be fighting Ben Saunders. And um, like I said, Joe Lazon, Marcin Held, Brian Caraway also on that card, as is Juicier Formiga taking on Sergio Pettis. So um, definitely a couple of solid fights. That goes down January 15th. So mark it down on your calendars. If you're interested in seeing BJ Penn back in the cage, that will be the card that is going to give you what you're looking for. Now, I got to talk about Chris Cyborg this week. Um, It seems that she has been rather vocal about the UFC starting a women's featherweight division. And, um, you know, she's pretty much said that if they don't they don't create that division, that she will leave the organization. Uh, She did this interview with El Comercio and it was transcribed by MMA Fighting. And they said, um, the main thing is that I have two fights left in my division featherweight. I'm going to stay in my division and see if the UFC opens up my division or if they don't do it, I'm going to leave. 
When asked about campaigning for a women's featherweight division, she said, I'll keep fighting so they're open so they open more divisions. If I don't have a division in the UFC, I'm gonna go to another company like Ryzen or Bellator or another organization where they have my division. I'll keep fighting for that. When asked when she's gonna be fighting again, she said, I don't know, probably next year in February, I'll be available to fight. I'm ready for whoever at 145 pounds. Now, I got to say this. We already know that, you know, she has two fights left in her division, not to mention, you know, whatever fights that the UFC tries to throw at her to keep her happy. I got to say that even if even if she competes in her division, the the inevitable showdown with Ronda Rousey is going to happen. Even if it's contested at the 145 pound weight class, it is going to happen. The UFC is not going to let this opportunity slip through their fingers like they did with Fedor when Fedor was up for grabs. Now, does this mean that we create the 145 pound division prior with Chris Cyborg recognized as champion? Not sure. Does it mean that maybe we'll do an ultimate fighter to create the featherweight division and, you know, the winner fights Cyborg and, you know, the winner of that fight would fight Ronda in a super fight? Who knows? But what I got to say is that Cyborg, while she is in a position to negotiate being a champion for Invicta and also, uh, you know, being one of the pound for pound best female fighters in the world, the fact of the matter is that if Ronda Rousey doesn't win her fight with Amanda Nunes, I would not be shocked if Ronda retires. I think that psychologically, uh, the loss that she suffered initially is still doing a number on her. And I think a second loss is only going to drive the nail in the coffin. Not to mention the fact that WWE and Stephanie McMahon has acknowledged this, has kind of already made a pitch to Ronda Rousey, which regardless of how she fares in the sport of mixed martial arts, she is still one of the most dangerous women on the planet and bringing her into the WWE, whether it's through the NXT program or directly to the main roster is going to do nothing but raise the stock for WWE because you're getting again, a bona fide mixed martial artist with an incredible pedigree as part of your organization. Again, this is all speculative at this point, but I will say that while Chris Cyborg does have, you know, a leg to stand on, so to speak, I don't think that she has, the clout that she thinks she has only because, you know, when it all, when it's all said and done, Ronda Rousey is the only fight for cyborg that makes sense in the UFC. Yes. You can create a 145 pound division and you can bring some women in or some of the ladies in Ronda's weight class can go up. But at the end of the day, the fight that everyone wants to see is cyborg and Ronda. And that's it. Even Ronda fighting Amanda Nunes is going to be, is going to be a great fight. But outside of her fighting Amanda Nunes, you know, Misha Tate retired. There's nothing else unless another another individual comes up through the ranks that just blows everybody's mind out of the water. You know, it's it's pretty, pretty clear cut who many people would like to see fight. But we're going to be watching this story very closely. We'll see if the UFC decides to go with the 145 pound route. Plus, obviously, we're going to be watching with much interest uh, the fight between Amanda Nunes and Ronda Rousey, because the outcome of that fight is going to pretty much lay the groundwork for where Cyborg goes next. I'm being honest. If Ronda Rousey wins and reclaims the title, the Cyborg fight has to happen in 2017. Has to. Simple as that. 
Last bit of MMA news before we wrap things up and jump into some wrestling is that it appears that Bellator 170, which is going to be Tito Ortiz and Chael Sonnen in the main event, is going to be Tito Ortiz's last fight. Uh, The Huntington Beach bad boy went on Twitter recently and said, I want to thank Dana White and the UFC for not putting an event the same night as my final fight. Hashtag Bellator 170. Um, This card goes down January 21st. Uh, you know, many of us are going to say that Tito should have retired a long time ago and they wouldn't be wrong. I think that this fight with Chael, I'm going into this fight, you know, as a fan, just looking at, at it from a perspective of it being a fun fight. I, you know, Tito Ortiz winning that fight would mean, okay, you beat Chael who hasn't fought in forever. Congratulations. And Chael winning that fight would be, Chael, you just beat a guy who's been past his prime for the last five years. Again, it's one of those fights that sounds amazing on paper, but in the grand scheme of things, does anybody really care? No. I mean, it was the same thing when Ken Shamrock fought Kimbo Slice or when Ken Shamrock fought Hoist Gracie. You know, you look at, you know, recently, not not the original fights, but recently, you know, you look at those, you look at those fights and again, on paper, amazing. But then you see them pan out and you're just like, what a fucking train wreck that was. And it's it's weird, you know, it's a really weird situation. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tito really does hang it up. I mean, the guy's had an amazing career. Um, you know, 18 wins, 12 losses. Uh, he is two and one in Bellator right now. We'll see. You know, Chael, Chael is 28 and 14 uh in, in MMA fights overall. That's his overall record. I mean, the guy, the guy's a a, a grinder. Both guys have a great wrestling background and the fight could go either way. But I think in terms of, you know, just being a more complete fighter at this stage in the game, I think Chael is capable of giving Tito a problem unless Tito pulls some crazy shit out of his back pocket. Like maybe, you know, a submission of some sort, since we know Chael can get caught. We, we, many of you, I, all I have to do is direct you back to Chael's fight with Anderson Silva for proof of that. Anyway. That bit of news is going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. We're going to switch gears and jump into some wrestling. So let's get to it. It was a very interesting week in the world of professional wrestling. As many of you know, uh, we had TLC this past Sunday. There were a lot of decent matches on paper. Then, of course, we have WWE Raw, which is building towards the roadblock uh, pay-per-view. And then, of course, 205 Live. We have NXT, which I did not get to watch. And I believe it was going to show the match between Shinsuke and Samoa Joe from Japan which, um, spoiler alert, I'm going to give you guys three seconds, three, two, one. Um, the match in Osaka, Japan between Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe ended with Nakamura recapturing the NXT championship, which again, Nakamura's fucking wrestling in Japan, not shocked in the least of the outcome. But, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to see that match this, you know, on NXT today. And I didn't get a chance since we were doing some show prep, but, I got to say, you know, it was there's it's really weird when it comes to wrestling, because obviously, you know, you have all the other promotions then you have WWE and and WWE is just bombarding you with stuff. 
pretty much almost, you know, out of the five days in a, in a regular week, you're getting, you know, three straight days of WWE content. You got raw on Monday. Well, four days when you count the pay-per-view, but raw on Monday, SmackDown Tuesday, 205 live on Tuesday, NXT Wednesday, everything, you know, everything else that comes in between either has to jump into the Thursday slot or try and do something on Friday. I mean, Ring of Honor's final battle is a great example of that. I, you know, I watched most of the card. It was, it was as good as you would expect. And, um, you know, they, they, they were smart by doing it on a Friday and they could have even done it on a Saturday because obviously with Sunday competing, going head to head with WWE, it's, it's difficult, but I will say that the TLC pay-per-view was, it wasn't terrible. It definitely was not terrible. But one thing that I've talked about that I've noticed has become a trend is how much the pay-per-views that are not the big four are essentially just, you know, big budget versions of raw and SmackDown. Now, this isn't terrible by any stretch. It's just something that people need to be aware of. I've pretty much, you know, come to the realization that when it comes to WWE product, Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-views that are associated with those two brands are essentially just Raw, SmackDown, and more Raw and SmackDown. Not not so much pay-per-views, just stipulation-heavy editions of Raw and SmackDown. For me, when we talk pay-per-view, it's Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Mania, and the Rumble. Everything else just, yes, it matters and it's important, but it doesn't, you know, nothing nothing compares to those four events. Doesn't matter what the hell it is, it, it really does not compare. Now, in terms of the matches at TLC, there were there were some good ones. You know, we had um, the kickoff match with American Alpha, Apollo Crews, and the Hype Bros taking on Kurt Hawkins, the Ascension, and the Vaude Villains. Not a great match, but not a terrible match either. I think it was just an opportunity to get all these guys on the card. Um... I mentioned this last week and I and I continue to say this you know I'm going to continue to say it I feel that American Alpha's call up and what they've done with them since they've come up to the main roster has amounted to nothing it has been a fucking waste and it's unfortunate because you know American Alpha I like I like what they bring to the table I feel that they are you know stellar stellar athletes and I just I just feel they've kind of just been spinning their wheels in the in, in their situation but Having them on the main roster at least adds a little bit more of, you know, talent to the SmackDown tag team division. Hopefully they can write that ship and start leveraging those guys better. But for the time being, they're just, you know, taking up space. Now, the tag team match saw Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt defeat Heath Slater and Rhino. And none of us should have been shocked with that outcome. We knew that the Heath Slater Rhino experiment was exactly that an experiment and they ended up just leveraging them to put the belts on Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. This is Bray, Bray Wyatt's first uh, title on the main roster, and I think that it, it's fitting. I, I realized initially that the dynamic with Randy Orton being part of the being part of the Wyatt family just didn't gel. But I don't know what it is. I think maybe just because Bray Wyatt is is essentially carrying. Um, the, you know, the faction on his back when it comes to mic work, Randy Orton just kind of works, which is weird. I, you know, I I've seen the last couple of matches and I'm like, I'm like, shit, it actually kind of works. Now I'm not saying that it was the right play or the wrong play, but at least it's something that freshens up 
Randy Orton's character, which is completely fucking boring anyway. So I, you know, I was, I was actually impressed with the match. I thought the match was pretty solid. Like I said, you know, Heath Slater and Rhino were not walking out of there with the belts. And, um, I, I didn't hate it. Now the no disqualification match between Nikki Bella and Carmella, which I said when we were doing the predictions for this was just a way to hide, you know, the flaws, you know, Carmella's flawed ring work and Nikki Bella's, you know, just giving her a safe match to work in. You know, the match was exactly what you'd expect. That was the fucking bathroom break match. Uh, there were there were some decent moments, but overall, this is a match that could have happened on SmackDown and nobody would have fucking batted an eyelash. It's that simple. Uh, David says that, you know, American Alpha's time is coming. We'll see. I, you know, I, I, I hope so. I hope creative is listening. Uh, Mortis adds Randy Orton is one of those guys who can make just about anything work if he's into it. Bingo. That's exactly it. If Randy Orton is motivated, and that's a a good observation, props to you, Mortis. When Randy Orton is motivated and actually gives a fuck about being a wrestler, he actually does rather well. I mean, we can go through his his entire career and we can find moments where you could see that he was really dialed in, um, you know, and and we got some really good matches out of him. I, I think that one of my favorite feuds was him and Mick Foley where he spit in Mick Foley's face. Um, you know, if you guys have never seen the the intensity of that of a feud like that, do yourselves a favor and pull that up. Uh Slick, if you can, see if you can find that video clip of Randy Orton spitting in Mick Foley's face. On top of the fact that it was some stellar mic work from Mick Foley, the the feud itself was ridiculous. You know, Randy Orton being a uh, you know, the legend killer was it was it was probably some of his better work and I'm shocked that we're not doing more of that. I mean, him punting people in the fucking head was really good every week. Um, like I said, Orton, when he's motivated, definitely, definitely solid. The David uh, says legend killer Orton was awesome. Absolutely. I think that was probably his best run uh, in WWE when he was out there just fucking beating the fuck out of everybody. It was great. Um, the IC title match between the Miz and Dolph Ziggler was another classic, uh, between two very talented individuals. I've said this before. Um, a lot of guys in, 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 you know, in pro wrestling are defined sometimes by that one opponent. Uh, you know, we've talked about that with Stone Cold Steve Austin and the rock. We've talked about it with, um, you know, the rock and triple H there. There's always those guys, you know, Hogan and, and the iron Sheik. uh, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Macho Man, Macho Man and Hogan, the list goes on. And if there's one thing I got to say is that Miz and Ziggler, every time they get in the ring, it is always a spectacle. It is always something special. And it's not just because of the matches themselves, but because of the story that's being told. And in the Miz's case, I got to say that he's definitely improved substantially over the last couple of months. And... I wouldn't be shocked if we see the Miz back in the main event, uh, probably towards the middle of 2017 or going in towards the tail end of that year. Uh, the Miz is an incredible worker. He's really stepped it up over the, like I said, the last couple of months, having Maurice be involved with him is a great way to just freshen up his character. I think that they're just not using him as much as they should from a mainstream perspective. I think that with the, the way that he's been presented on the real world and the way he interacts in the, in the Hollywood set that 
we could be seeing more of the Miz, but I feel that when he goes out there, him and Dolph Ziggler give us something special every week. Now, that's not to say um that's not to say that there's always been, you know, again, that's not to say that Dolph Ziggler was was a, a, a shitty wrestler. I just feel that when he's in there with guys that are are capable of bringing bringing out more than him just being the guy that takes great bumps, it's um it's one of those situations where, you know, I could probably see these guys have a match in another year or two for, you know, the 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 world title and nobody nobody would complain about it in the least. I like I said it was just a really good match. Um definitely one of those top 5 matches when you look at their careers. Uh you know, where they go from here remains to be seen. Uh David adds Miz has always been this good when motivated. I think that that it's one of those things when you give him just really good direction, you get some special stuff out of the Miz. Uh David also adds that you can hide Carmella's flaws by firing her. You know what it is? Uh, Carmella dates Big Kaz. And, you know, that's that's interesting because, you know, Big Kaz and, and Enzo are a big part on the raw side of things. And, um, you know, in terms of, of Carmella, she's 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 there. You know, she's she's Enzo and Kaz for SmackDown. That's all. That's all I got to say. She is Enzo and Kaz for SmackDown. I don't even know what the hell fell over there that I heard like a crash. Weird. Um, the Baron Corbin Kalisto chairs match was exactly what you would expect. Uh, Baron Corbin once again being made to look dominant at Kalisto's expense. Uh, just a damn shame because Kalisto is it, he should be on 205 Live. You know he's being really wasted on SmackDown being jobbed out to Baron Corbin. As for the match itself, it was pretty good. There was a lot of good spots, some decent intensity. Uh, Krang Krang definitely looked a lot better than he has in quite some time. And Kalisto definitely sold his offense. I just feel that, and I've said this before, Kalisto has been really, really, really underutilized and sacrificing him in, sacrificing him to Baron Corbin does nothing for him. Uh, Slick actually just posted Mick Foley versus Randy Orton. So you guys can check that out in the chat room. Mortis adds the final match between Baron Corbin versus Kalisto should be a hair versus mask match with Corbin losing. Absolutely. I've noticed that when, when Baron Corbin comes out and I, you know, the guy wets his hair when he comes out, it just looks like his hair is fucking thinning completely and utterly thinning. It's, it's insane. I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. It sounds like, uh, you need to fucking cut that shit off. But I would, I would be, I would, (laughs) David adds, um, no, hell no. (laughs) Slick adds he should lose it and feed the hair to Krang. <laughs> then he'll really look like the Krang android body if he's bald. He really fucking would. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship match was a tables match between Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch. Um, a lot of people were really frustrated and angry with the outcome. Uh, many people said that Becky Lynch has just been brought up to be a transitional champion and that, you know, her entire title run was fucking completely forgettable. That's that's a lot of what I saw on Twitter and various message groups. I don't I don't think that her run was forgettable. I think that you know she got injured and you know they were still kind of building the SmackDown women's division. And I'll be honest, if if it came if you look at SmackDown's women's division, there are plenty of other people that could have competed in that match that Becky Lynch could have easily lost the belt to. Uh Naomi definitely 
uh, Natalia, if you wanted to go that route, Nikki Bella, if you wanted to go that route, putting the title on Alexa Bliss. I mean, Alexa has improved quite a bit since coming up from NXT. Do I think that it's enough for her to carry a division and carry matches? Not, not the case. I feel that, you know, she, she's, she's a, a good performer, but she still has a way to go. Slick adds, it is not like Becky cannot win it back. Alexa is not holding that belt long. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely not the case. I, I definitely feel Becky Lynch has, you know, every everything to gain from this feud in terms of winning the belt back and raising her stock. I just feel that Becky Lynch hasn't really had a, a meaningful feud. I mean, her feud with Alexa has been okay, but I just feel that Becky Lynch, they're not, they're, you know, they're really not putting putting as much effort into her and her program as say, you know, Charlotte and Sasha. I I think there's definitely plenty of fuel for, for a, for a good feud for Becky Lynch, whether it's Nikki Bella or Naomi or Natalia, or, you know, if you decide to call, call somebody up, then I can see that. But right now it's, it's kind of like, you know, Becky Lynch having the belt, nobody cares. And her not having the belt, nobody cares because no one's invested. Uh, David adds that Becky is overrated. Wow. Slick adds part of the problem with the feud is that Alexa bliss murders her on the mic. That's, that's definitely true. I think Alexa bliss's mic work is definitely, you know, upper, upper tier. She, she definitely is, has good promo work. And the problem with Becky is obviously, you know, she has a very thick accent and the, the stuff that she does when she cuts her promos, just, it just seems out of place for me. You know, um, I believe it was Slick that mentioned last time that, you know, it feels like a like Conor McGregor's on the microphone. And eh, I listen, if Becky Lynch was like, who the fuck is that girl? Then then, yeah, I could see that. But, you know, Becky Lynch is just like, oh, Becky Balboa. It's like, all right, stop it. Um, David adds, Becky needs Sasha and Charlotte to bring the best out of her. She's bland as fuck without them. You know what? That's a good assessment. I would even add Bailey into that mix. I think that one of the reasons why Becky Lynch was moved to SmackDown was because they felt that she brought as much to the table as Sasha and Charlotte do. But the whole reason why the Sasha and Charlotte show works so well is because their feuds and their matches continue to definitely set the bar for the division on the raw side. That's that's just how I see it. Now, do I do I think that Becky has potential. Sure. But I think that part of the reason why her potential can needs to be, you know, can, can improve is because there's, you know, the, the women's division is ripe for the picking on the SmackDown side. Now, if the rumors of the women's tournament are true, hopefully that, um, you know, that can definitely improve slick ads. Becky and Alexa have long-term potential though. You know what it is? They do. But I just feel that at this stage in the game, from from where they're at in terms of ability, I just feel that Alexa has good mic work, decent wrestling work. Becky has better wrestling work, decent mic work, and there's room for improvements on both sides. And that's part of the problem. You know, you have two in a, in a feud where you have one five star wrestler competing with a three star wrestler. The 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 three star wrestler picks some things up and brings their their game up to the five-star level. I feel that Becky is, you know, a, a, a decent wrestler. I, you know, I hate to use this cliche, but she's a, uh, she's a B plus, you know, she's a B plus wrestler. And Alexa is also a, a pretty decent wrestler. 
And that's that's pretty much it. Slick ads, their matches have not been terrible. They haven't been terrible, but they haven't had the same fire and intensity that we'd see with Sasha and Charlotte. I got to be honest, if you held both sets of matches side by side, it's night and day. Now, David makes a valid point. Mickey James was recently offered a deal, and I really hope she takes it and heads over to SmackDown. I think Mickey James on SmackDown would really, really elevate that show and that women's division. Uh, Mickey James showed that she could hold it down uh, with, you know, in her match with Asuka, which was stellar. It was a stellar, stellar match. And, you know, a lot of people forget that Mickey James had a series of amazing matches in TNA with a lot of the knockouts. And I think that, you know, seeing her out there with Asuka opened up a lot of people's eyes. And I genuinely think that Mickey James would, would kill it if she went to SmackDown. That's for sure. Slick adds the only match that will beat Sasha and Charlotte is Sasha and Bailey. I can I can definitely agree with that. Now, in terms of the world championship title match, uh, AJ Styles, of course, defeated Dean Ambrose. And we know that we had the James Ellsworth heel turn. Now, a lot of people were pissed off, but I got to be honest. If you're a seasoned wrestling fan and you did not see that shit coming, then you you, you need to go back and and do your homework because it was inevitable. Now, I got to say this. The rationale for Ellsworth turning on Dean Ambrose and revealing that rationale during Talking Smack was very, 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 very well done. Now, do I think that it was necessary? Did we even need James Ellsworth? No. But I think that by leveraging him the way you did and using the motivation that he's quote-unquote defeated AJ Styles and that AJ Styles is an easy target was probably some of the better writing I've seen for in this situ- you know, in this entire feud. AJ is always going to go out there and give us an amazing match. And Dean Ambrose, you know, is Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is is middle of the road. Sometimes you'll get something great. Sometimes you'll get shit. It is what it is. Uh, Slick said, James Ellsworth is a very old school angle, and I like it. And that's what it was. Don't get me wrong. I fucking detest seeing James Ellsworth on my television. But you know what? When I saw the payoff on Sunday, I said to myself, well, fuck, that's a that's a different way of doing it. Now, do I need do we need James Ellsworth on TV every week? No, we definitely don't. Uh, David adds, fuck James Ellsworth. And it's true. I think that, you know, the the motivation and the fact that, you know, he beat AJ and he's he's thinking that the only, you know, he can beat AJ on his own, even though Dean Ambrose essentially helped him every fucking time uh, was hilarious. Um, and I, th- I think it's interesting, you know, AJ definitely took a beating in that match against Dean Ambrose. We, uh, we know this because, you know, and I'll get into it on SmackDown, uh, you know, but the fact is that he, uh, the, 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 the motivations and the way it panned out were fucking well done. I was like, all right. I was like, all right. You know, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty decent work folks. That's, that's how I took it. Um, on the raw side of things, we raw had a lot of good shit but they had some really, really questionable stuff. So we had we had the big show come back, and crickets once again. Nobody gave a shit because it's the big show. Uh, we also had Mark Henry have a match with Titus O'Neil because reasons. Um, again, those were two things that I just didn't need to see on my TV. Uh, you know, Seth Rollins being put in the match by the big show by Kevin Owens. We knew 
that this was going to end with the big show putting a beating on Kevin Owens, which not shocked at all. Um, you know, obviously we're building towards the inevitable collision course between Seth Rollins and Triple H, which I have no problem with. Uh, but the big show and Mark Henry seeing them back on my TV, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it's true. It's nice to see, you know, these guys get, get some, some ring time in, but I'll be honest. I didn't give a shit that they were gone. <laughs> and, and that's fucked up. You know, it really, it really is fucked up. And, and you know, Titus O'Neil has so much potential and it's just being wasted. Like they really don't know what to do with him. And I've said it before. You should put Titus O'Neil in the new day, make it a four man team, a four man stable. Like I said, you got a main eventer, a mid Carter and a tag team very easily. I would, you know, groom Biggie for the, for the heavyweight title. I would groom Titus O'Neil for uh mid card and Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston would be a stellar tag team, or you could switch that all around too. You could do Kofi as your main eventer, Xavier Woods as your mid Carter and big E and Titus O'Neil as your tag team. Any way you slice it, I feel that Titus O'Neil would work very well alongside the new day. And of course the easy thing is, Oh, you know, put all the black guys together, but um, you know, it would, it would work. It really, really would work. I, I think at this point, Titus O'Neil has, He's, a, he's an incredible athlete. He looks the part, and he's just wasted week in and week out. Um, the non-title match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is exactly what you would expect. These guys go out there. They have themselves a fucking stellar match, and they don't, they, don't, uh, they don't drop the ball. They really don't. They really do not drop the ball when they're out there. Um, I was just informed that uh, Jay Santee is in the queue. I'm going to bring him in. Mr. Santi, what's the deal? Sir, I just want to tell you, you do stellar work, and I only wish that I could have the verbal correspondence that you have. <laughs> and I wish that one day, one day, that I could be on the same level as you. I have Josie Boy here as well. Awesome. Josie's Boy's in here. Good shit. We were, really, we were sitting here recording on TRSS, and I got to tell you that we are amazed at how magical you can be oh my god please please flattery flattery <laughs> the fuck out of here with this, that are we laying it tonight yeah dude fucking thick like the, the the like the paint i just put on my stoop <laughs> but um i gotta i gotta <laughs> say man i nothing much man you know everything everything is good going through you know the the trap not the travesty that was tlc but you know the differences between a smackdown main event and a smackdown pay-per-view and a raw you know, and a Monday night raw. And, you know, obviously we're seeing a lot of the, the real differences. And the thing was, before I brought you on, just talking about how poor Titus O'Neil just can't get out of the fucking blocks. You know, I had, I, I, I there was a post that, that came up on uh, Facebook on one of the groups that, that I'm in. And it, it was basically, a, it's something that I, I, I vaguely talked about on, a, on, on TLSS. And it's about how, you know, our, our black wrestlers are being represented. True. You look at the, the the list of our black wrestlers in WWE, and it's like, wow, this is basically the traveling minstrel song. It's like a, it's a show of just shucking and jiving wrestlers, <laughs> and they're pretty much mid card's finest. And and that really really is a problem. It really is a problem. And WWE is the only promotion that does this because 
the Titus O'Neil's. Hell, I just saw a promo for uh, Percy Watson coming to NXT. All you saw him do, all you, all you saw was him shucking a jive and drop kicking everybody with fucking Google glasses. I'm like, really? This is all our, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. I think there's, there's a few things. I was having a conversation with, with Jimbo Slice uh, yesterday or the day before, and he said something that was insane, but at this point, I, I'll fucking take it. He said, he said to me, you know what they should do? They should just take the New Day and make them the nation and just have all those dudes just join the New Day. Like, just a happy, ass-kicking faction of dudes fucking people up every week. I'm serious. I look at it as that. I look at, I look at the New Day, and I say, with all the talent that's there, and I get it. Let's bring revenue. Let's bring money in. But at the end of the day, you can't be happy with yourself for being what you're, you know, the gimmick that it is. Because I started breaking down, like, all, how many redneck white people do you see? What do you mean? Not many. Like, how many, how many white people that you have come into wrestling and they play like the redneck dirt, dirt, dirt kind of, you know, from, from the, 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 the sticks kind of character. The closest well, we, we have a few. The closest we had was like Cowboy James Storm, like really, really like Hillbilly. Um, you know, anybody that says Bray Wyatt, it's like, no, Bray Wyatt's essentially a serial killer gimmick. <laughs> um, you know, maybe okay. Luke Harper. Let's take the Spanish people. Let's take the Spanish people that go in, the Mexicans. How many have played full beaner? Let's get the full beaner out there. Yep. A lot of them. Let's get the let's get the sombrero guy. Let's get the fucking uh, the, the the guys who walking out drinking fucking tequila or fucking eating tacos. You know, what do we get with that? Dude, let me let me just remind everyone that WWE had a stable of Mexican wrestlers that were landscapers that came out on a lawnmower. Let me remind yeah. all of you that that did happen. It let's is true. Get, let's get every Asian, let's get a, every Asian, Japanese, Chinese, or Japanese just entirely who come in and they, they're, they're the typical, yeah, make them like a, a fucking part of the Yakuza or some shit looking type dudes. No, they're all samurai, geisha, like kind of individual. They all have a gong you know, in their music. That, <laughs> right. The only one that they fucking, the only one that they didn't do that to was Nakamura, because probably Nakamura said no. Well, you know what? They're not doing that shit to me. Well, you know what the thing is? If you look at that, and, and it's funny because when you look at the way that some of these guys are presented, you see that because think about it. Hideo Itami, you got the gong, you got the, you know, all the ding, 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 before his music hits. And it's like, come on. The only dude that hasn't been made to look like a complete ass clown is, um, what's his name? The Golden Star. This kid, uh, from the Cruiserweights. The dude, the dude that looks like Goku. Not Ibushi, um, um. Yeah, Kota Ibushi. Yeah, Kota Ibushi, that's right. Dude, he he comes out and, and no gimmicks. He comes out, no, you know, no, no, uh, no robe, no fucking. I'm gonna break a board with my hand. Nothing. Just straight. I'm gonna whoop your ass, and I look like Goku doing it. Oh, wait till wait till wait till he's actually signed 
and they'll put him on the fucking roster for real. He's yeah. going to be, they'll probably sign him up, and he, like you said, he'll probably become the next fucking Goku or Vegeta. Vince. He'll come out, and he'll have gold hair. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah. Vince, Vince is going to call up Zeb Coulter, tell him to shave his head so he could be Master Roshi and manage Kota Ibushi on the main <laughs> roster. I'm telling you right now. Damn it. Damn it. You call that son of a bitch and you tell him to shave his head. Shave his head. Damn it. The kids love the anime. That's it. Give the kids what they want. That's it. The kids love the anime. Yes. But that's that's how it goes. I mean, you know, we're, we're never going to get that. You know, you know what really bothered me on Monday? The fact that Bailey had a match with Alicia Fox and the whole reasoning for the match was because Bailey gave a bear to Cedric Alexander. I said, what the fuck are we watching? The Black and the Restless? <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with that shit? This is, why, this is why I said when everybody sits there and they talk about Raw is the A show, and it's like, no, you, and listen, I, as much as the drama in the, in the women's division is going on in SmackDown, at least it's something compelling. Yep. We have nothing to freaking bring together the women's division in Raw. Nope, nothing. nothing. It's it's we're Sasha. About, we're about to see Charlotte versus Sasha in an Iron Man match, which is basically saying, okay, guys, you guys bitched about what the fuck the Divas division was. Well, we're going to give you everything in the women's division in one fell swoop. Yep. <laughs> but but there's but there's there's a couple of things I got to add to that. Number one, you're doing that match, and I understand. Oh, we're gonna do an Iron Man match, but I gotta be honest. It's like we're gonna do a thirty minute Iron a thirty minute Iron Man match. I'm like, how about just make it the fucking sixty and stop playing yourselves? Mm-hmm. I'm being serious. You know, you let them do Hell in the Cell. You let them do you know hardcore matches, tables matches, all this shit. Sixty minutes. Good luck. Yeah, right. Let them go. Sure, but it, because they know they can't bank on them doing sixty minutes. That is that is cool. And then if you if you consistently have Charlotte toss Sasha around like she's been doing for all that time, you're gonna lose her. You're really gonna lose her, dude. By the way, when I, did we start implementing? When we start implementing other fucking wrestlers in that in those fucking in that angle for the. I mean, come on. A couple of things with that. Number one, I saw Charlotte do a fucking 300-pound deadlift on her Instagram account. She she got my respect off the bat. <laughs> um, in terms of her going out there with Sasha, the problem is that WWE is, again, going to the well with what works. Meaning, oh, hold on a second. I just noticed that this camera's not plugged in. <laughs> da, da, da. We'll just get that in editing. That would have ended terribly because the camera would have just cut off mid-show like a jerk off. <laughs> um, as I was saying, you know, you have I got to I got to say this. First of all, Ric Flair took that slap like a champion because he really got he really he really did get like the Holy Spirit slapped out of him in that in that in that moment. He really did. I was like, wow, that was that was that was like four of Ric Flair's wives slapping him in that moment. Um, it was, it was good. I think that, um, you know, Sasha, Sasha being thrown around like a rag doll, that shit is getting old. 
And um, nobody thought, hey, you know, we really should go help her and not let her get her ass whooped. Nope. We're going to let that bitch get her ass kicked. <laughs> but you see, that's my problem with Raw's women's division. Yep. You, you, you have these women, but you don't have faith in pushing them to make an angle, a formidable that, that people will back it. SmackDown is doing that. Yep. SmackDown is taking Carmella and making her a fucking main, like a mainstream fucking wrestler. Yep, they're trying. I gotta say this. They're trying. They're really putting her, and they have faith in her going into angles with the Nikki Bella and the fucking with, with Natalia. Yep. And they have the. You're not having any faith with a Nia Jax. Well, dude, a, Nia Jax will be squashing all these females. Yep, but but that you know what yeah. it is. They're keeping Nia Jax so far away from this Sasha and Charlotte program that I said to myself, at this stage of the game, you might as well turn. Uh, Dana Brooke face and have her feud with Nia Jax because Nia Jax is just doing nothing. That's actually that's actually true though. At this rate, you keep them in the in the mix, right? Like, what are you gonna do? You, what's gonna happen? Emma's gonna come back Monday, and the crowd is gonna go mild. Nobody gives a fuck about Emma. Yeah, that's like that's like Eva Marie coming back. Exactly. I mean, Emma's gonna come back. Maybe if they put her back with Dana Brooke, then we got something. But aside from that, donut. The other thing that that was that was bugging me is that you know you have Jack Gallagher, Jack Gallagher. Let me pronounce that right. Debut on Raw. <laughs> you know the dude is Jack Gallagher is without a doubt a fucking hidden gem of the cruiserweight division. On top of the fact that the guy looks like he should be in Gangs of New York, he could wrestle his ass off. But the other thing that I noticed about that match is that hey. We got Davari, and Davari's just little Davari, essentially angry Iranian man. That is his gimmick. I like Davari when he was in the Cruiserweight Classic. I always said that this is a kid who embraced the heat. Yep. Because, you know, even for that Cruiserweight Classic, everybody was supposed to be happy-go-lucky. Yeah, I'm in America. Thank you for putting me on. He put. He went out there and was like, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to live the heat gimmick. Yep. He did it. Yep, and and well, you know he, he was an automatic find. Yep, he was a, he was an automatic find. Yep, him and and like I said, Jack Gallagher really impressed me. I mean, during the cruiserweight classic, I'm like, yo, they got something here. They got like really a uh, cross between you know William Regal with the technical shit, and they even got a little bit of that Regal right. style comedy with all the faces and shit that he makes. They did a good job. They did a good job with that dude. I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I wasn't a buyer early on, but I am. Definitely a guy who's ready to cash in now with him. Yep. Because of how the whole, you know, I, when it comes to technical wrestlers, that's the guy I like. But it's also a thing to where I, I did a, I did a, some some back back looking of him, and he's like, he's real deal, man. MMA yep. too, man. He's got some just going with him. Now you know, giving I said this, um, you know, last week when we were talking about two hundred five live, putting the belt on Rich Swan was the best thing they could have done because they realized, fuck, this guy's popular. Let's do something with him quick. Let me tell you, I like Rich Swan. I really, really do. I'm a guy that's like, oh, this, this is like, just like they did with TJ Perkins, you know, then once they took it off of him, they gave it to, to, to Kendra as a transitional. Rich Swan gets it now. I got a post recently about how uh, 
minority our black wrestlers are. Yep. And it's like I hear people saying like, "Oh, you just you're just putting salt on a rotten egg." Like it's just like you're just trying to make things good on something that's underneath the fucking sheets. Like you know, what what are they doing with our black wrestlers? And then for real, like what are we what are we doing? Well, in in the case of in the case of Rich Swan, which is which is interesting. You know, Swan, I always, I always, we always joke about, you know, Rich Swan taking the belt and selling it for, you know, an eight ball and, and, and a triple fat goose. But, um, I, I, you know, Rich Swan is a, is an amazing wrestler. I think that what they did was they took a guy who was essentially shucking and jiving anyway. And they said, Hey, we got a new shucking and jiving guy that everybody's cheering. So let's just do more shucking and jiving. You know what I mean? Like the problem is that when people reinforce bad shit, they're essentially co-signing it at the same time. Right. Like there's no like Rich Swan had a gimmick. His gimmick was he was the happy, fun, loving dude. That's it. Now they just figured the happy, fun, loving dude is all he's going to be. I, you know, Rob Van Dam did an interview not that long ago with a, with a dude I know, Jason Ferrugia and he was talking about that. He said that when they were talking to him about cutting promos, they were like, all right, you're just going to be like, dude and bro. And <laughs> like, that's all that's all you're going to do. And it'll be great. And Rob Van Dam was like, uh, OK. And he's like, that's not really how it is in Cali, but whatever, you know. And that's just that's just reinforcing the whole out of touch creative aspect of a lot of this shit, you know. And I always said that's Vince McMahon's whole thought process of what generally what black people are because I don't see this happening in no other promotion. Nope. You would think that TNA who's striving for some type of attention, you would think that they would take their black wrestlers and do the, like some kind of imitation of it. Even they shy away from that. That's like no. Yep. But I gotta no. every every. Ugh. I gotta say this though, you know, for for all the uh, for all the stink that there was on on Raw, I gotta say Roman Reigns needs to go backstage after his match with Jericho on Monday and give that motherfucker his paycheck. Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho made that dude look like a million bucks in that match. And, and this is why I say a lot. This is why I say about when I say to people when they're still having this debate about Roman Reigns, it's like. Let it go, because if you go in the ring with a a, a a a person like Jericho, yep, and if he makes you look good, then you're worth it. Because yep. Jericho's the type of guy that he'll he'll say he'll call in the ring, you ain't shit, you're not shit. Yep, and he'll make you look like shit. That's true. If Jericho is acknowledging it, accept it. Yep, and I think the crowd should accept it as well. Like it's enough already. Well, you know what it is? It's the whole, and we've talked about this before you and I, you know, Roman Reigns, they wanted to make him John Cena so badly that in theory they succeeded. Like now people just boo the motherfucker for the sake of booing him. It's like you wanted the next rock. I'm sorry, but you got the next John Cena. Congratulations. Yo, check this out. On my, on my WWE 2K17, I changed like his attire. I right. The fucking the the bulletproof vest off. I put. You know, I took the, the 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 security guard pants off. I made him look like a wrestler. Right. Again, you know, he had the, the tights or whatever. Same thing I did with Dean Abbott. I did the same thing. 
I said, if you make them look like this, I think the fans will start opening up a little more to them and respect it. Because, I, I, seriously, I, as feeble and ridiculous as it may sound, I can't take this Roman Reigns with this fucking flapjack and nonsense and all this. Yeah, it has. Change it up. It has lost its luster. I think that, you know, post. The same thing with Ambrose. Change up this fucking jeans. Fucking let him go back to the the the, the TLC match with him and, and, and AJ. You saw the glimpse of right Moxley. Yep, you saw Moxley. That's right. And people were like loving it. Take that shit off, man. Let's just peel the layers back. Let's make them look like wrestlers again. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know Roman Roman definitely got a pass. Monday, but I gotta say, for for as passable as Roman Reigns is in terms of wrestling, Chris Jericho carried him in that match, and 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 oh, I'm not sure. I'm not saying that that's a negative. On the contrary, don't get me wrong, Roman Reigns is still a WWE Five Moves of Doom product. No matter how many, I mean, yeah, you could change his ring gear, but you know, you could spray paint shit with gold paint, and it's still shit. You know, like Roman Reigns. You know what's funny though. He's, People say that a lot, but I've, I, yo, there was a re, I, I'm sorry to tell you, but there was a recent, uh, uh, shoot interview with Kevin Nash, right? I heard about, and, and everybody says good the, shit about Roman Reigns. They said the same, no, but he said the same thing. The people said the same thing about him. He was a five moves of doom dude. Right. And his report during a shoot interview was, wow, Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest pitchers in the MLB. Only had one pitch. Right. Wow. Damn him for being the success that he was with his one pitch. Well, and I couldn't be successful with what I did. No, I'm not. Here's the thing. I get where Kevin Nash is coming from and I understand it, but there's there's a fine line in terms of you being the five moves of doom guy and then you being the five do- moves of doom guy and making it work. Case in point, The Rock. Let's not kid ourselves. The Rock was nowhere near as good of a wrestler as motherfuckers <laughs> wanted him to be. He wasn't. But The that's Rock... That is argumentative, though. That's argumentative, though. Of, of course. That's why I said it. I mean, you know, The Rock was yeah. The Rock was a good wrestler, but an amazing performer. See, see what I'm saying? Like, Stone Cold Steve Austin was an amazing wrestler and an amazing performer. And that's what I'm saying. Roman Reigns has all those tools, but even though he is a decent wrestler, he is not yet mastered being a great performer. Like when Roman Reigns is out there talking street and being, you know, who he probably is in real life, we get to see that. I mean, I saw a video where they were playing Call of Duty. It was him, Seth Rollins, uh, Xavier Woods, you could look at you could look it up on YouTube. They were doing up, up, down, down, and that was the real Roman Reigns. And somebody wrote in the YouTube comments, "This is the Roman Reigns motherfuckers need to put on TV every week." And this is exactly. And it's funny because I, I'll do a I'll do a quick um, reference to this. Uh, I'm watching um, Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. Shout out to Josie's boy who put me onto it. And uh, DM uh, DMC from Run DMC, he's on it and. He's one of the most animated individuals that you'll see on this on, on this series. Right. And as soon 
And, you know, you see this and you're like, wow, this guy, you know, he's, he's so, you know, full of character, whatever. But back in the 80s, you couldn't draw sweat from this guy because he didn't know what the fuck. He, he barely spoke. And this, I think people are afraid to show a real person sometimes because they think that it doesn't draw. Right. And I think a lot of times with, with the case of Roman Reigns, I've seen Roman Reigns like behind the scenes, whatever. And it's like, yeah, exactly. This is the guy that you want to see. This is the guy that you want to hear. I mean, it happened with Ryback. Remember when Ryback started cutting like really genuine promos? Like even though when he was talking, when he cut that promo talking about the secret and talking about how, you know, the origin of Feed Me More and why he believes in that philosophy, that was probably the most realest Ryback promo ever. And and then the company you come to find out he's just as crazy as the Ultimate Warrior, <laughs> right? But then what they did was they had once again a, a, a an excellent opportunity to do something great, and they didn't. And that's the thing. Like the problem with the problem with Roman Reigns and why people don't like him, it's not because he's a he's a mediocre wrestler or a shitty performer. It's that the company said, "Oh, you're a good looking dude that uses good fucking hair conditioner." And the ladies like you, and you're going to be our guy. And the problem is, in 2016, with the current wrestling landscape, you don't decide who's the guy. The fans decide who's the guy. Case in point, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan can come out in a wheelchair with a straight jacket and, 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 a, and a Hannibal Lecter mask, and he will still get the same pop he got when he won the belt. And now that and thanks that you mentioned that, you know what was the most cringeworthy part of TLC, which was talking smack, and it was the opening segment with Daniel Bryan and Renee Young, and they're talking about what happened at the main event. Yep. Daniel Daniel Bryan, you could tell, has no clue what the fuck to say. Nope. Zero. He's watching him, he's like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like. Where the fuck is the Miz? At least the Miz would at least know what to fucking put together. Right. But that's because at the end of the day, when you look at guys like Daniel Bryan, guys like, you know, you look at Daniel Bryan, The Rock, uh, Seth Rollins, a great example, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles. If you look at all these individuals, these guys each came to the table with something that set them apart from everybody else. But the guys that are truly above everyone else are the guys that are able to take each fact, each piece of that personality and mix it together to create something that just resonates with the audience. You know why Chris Jericho is fucking over with the list? Because he took something that sounded completely idiotic on paper and he made that shit work. It's the same, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like selling, it's like selling ice to an Eskimo. That's why. And generally, and generally Jericho does that with everything that he does. Everything. He can do that. I mean, he makes, he makes syrup on shit look like fucking pancakes. He can do that. Right. But then let's, you know, fast forwarding into, into SmackDown, you know, SmackDown on, on Tuesday, had a lot of decent wrestling. Yeah, there were there were some questionable things, but I got to say, you know, did we need to see Baron Corbin and Kalisto again? No. Was the match pretty good? Sure. Did we need to see the Ascension on our fucking television? No. But I, I get it. You know, I get that they want to make Raw the entertainment show and SmackDown the wrestling show. We definitely, I, I, I get it. I could only imagine what... Baron Corbin is saying in the back behind the curtain, which is like, fuck, guys, 
We're doing this again. Yep. We're really doing this again. I mean, you know, the. the, the, At least put me in a different fucking. different angle. No, it's true. I think, you know, and this happens a lot. WWE decides we're going to run back the pay-per-view matches. They do it on Raw. They do it on SmackDown. I mean, seeing Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt defeat Heath Slater and Rhino again just reinforce the point that Heath Slater and Rhino are done for. That's all that accomplished. Right. You know, Chad Gable beating, you know, defeating Tyler Breeze or however, you know, however that went, it was just an opportunity for you to showcase the fact that American Alpha are awesome. You know, the Miz and Dean Ambrose was a great match because we know it's going to be a great match. Because again, like I was saying before you came on, the Miz, the Miz has definitely stepped his game up. That latter match with Dolph Ziggler was proof positive that, you know, he's, he's on a, he's on a, he's reached a, he's leveled up, so to speak. I got, but I do have, I, I, I have a question about this. Shoot. Is he going to stay mid card? Because Miz, once again, in my opinion, needs to go back and get into that major title run. I think so. I think that he the Miz need, he doesn't need the Intercontinental Belt to do it. Either. Nope. I think that the Miz has what he. What, I think that the whole point of the Miz was that they wanted to put a shot in the arm for the mid card, kind of like when Cena was champion. When Cena was champion, the mid-card had a shot in the arm with him doing the challenge every week and all these different dudes coming out and John Cena having, you know, four-star matches with all of them. I think that you got to take one guy and make him, the you know, the cornerstone, the driving force of your division, and then you pass that torch to the guy that you put over and then you let that guy build up that division. I think that is the correct way to do booking. I mean, right now... If the if they wanted to, the Miz could drop the belt to Dolph Ziggler in one last match, and then the Miz could go on to challenge in the you know at the mid at the uh, at the main event level. And I think the Miz and AJ Styles have the potential to have good matches, and I think Dolph Ziggler has the tools to carry the mid card. Yeah, I re- I really feel that right now, Miz has proven himself to excel higher than that mid card that mid card, especially in SmackDown. It's yep. a nice little run that you have in there with the AJs, with the Deans, if you want to keep them in there, with the the, the Cena's that's about to come back. Uh, he, you could put Miz in that mix without having to implement that belt. He could be pulled away from it. Well, And a lot of that stuff, you could get on that hype with him that, yeah, he's done paid his dues to show that he can rock it. He's good. Well, I think I think part of the reason, and I've said this before, there, there are guys that need the belt to get over, and then there are guys where the belt is a hindrance. Um, a guy like The Miz has reached a point where he doesn't need the belt. It's just nice to have. But, you know, a guy like Dolph Ziggler is so over that he, too, is a guy that doesn't need the belt. But the problem with Ziggler is right. that, that the losses hurt him more than a guy like The Miz. But what, who do we see in SmackDown that now becomes the internet I mean the intercontinental mix. Like who be who now goes into that? I would that slide. Who I would. I would probably start looking at guys like Baron Corbin. I would look at guys like Luke Harper. I would probably start, you know, looking at, you know, Apollo Cruz. Start looking at Apollo Cruz. You know, I was about to say, where's he been? Exactly. You know, you got guys like him. Hell, you even got fucking. bum-ass Kurt Hawkins, you know, that they've done jack shit with. You know, those are guys that you could start building up as being, you know, steady mid-card guys. And I'm being honest. I mean, 
you know, the the only thing I got to say is a problem, and this is only because I'm, I want to go into 205 Live, is that by putting 205 Live as as being right after SmackDown, they are hurting these guys because the crowd is fucking dead. They're killing these guys. I said for me that they should, I said they should have never done that. If they wanted to, they should have done a nice little piggyback on Wednesdays. Yep. Where they should have had NXT and then have 205 right after it. Right. It's a nice little segue. You'd have kept the flow going. Um, for you trying to piggyback to have some type of uh, live thing going and trying to share off the networks, that's not where the money's at. Nope. On NXT, top. 205, you're good. Yep. It's like I. Because when... they always cross bend. Well, I I put a photo up that people after the SmackDown dark match for the main event, they were going to start 205 Live and half of the arena had cleared out. But you know what? I'm not mad at that because I'm a, I'm, I'm a kind of person that, that I, I appreciate like uh, the intimate look of having a certain genre. Like right. I, I can appreciate like small individuals who like uh, cruiserweight, but... If you're trying to bank your money on it, you're going to look foolish doing it. So the nope. best thing for you to do is do like how you do with your NXTs. Have them recorded yep. or have them... Um, I said they should have done it at the NXT arena. Behind that. Right. Yep. That's what they should have been. It shouldn't. You shouldn't have these guys doing cruiserweight stuff on the road for 205 Live. You should have them right out of the NXT arena because that crowd is intimate, it's red hot, and it's always packed in there. Now, if you want right. to showcase the, the cruiserweights on a larger scale, then that's why you have them on Raw. Exactly. But don't don't hurt these guys by putting them out there, and then you have these guys giving you 110% on TV, and the half of the crowd is gone. It sucks all the energy like, out of the performance. Like this too. When you open up 205 Live... The first time that they they, they, they had two or five live, it was on the East Coast. Right. A lot of the motherfuckers gotta go to work. That's they right. They have to go to work. So they leave it. Yep. Have, like, fuck this. I gotta, you know, if you wanted to do it in, in the West Coast, it's like, yeah, you gotta have a packed house because they ain't got shit to do afterwards. They, right. They, yeah, we got a couple of hours to kill. That's right. You but know, that's it, it wasn't it wasn't good timing. Nope. I mean, this past this the, the show from this past week was really good. Um Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander killed it. Uh, we got Davari and Jack Gallagher again, which, again, it was fine. And Swan and Kendrick just, you know, they tore the house down. But again, you're tearing the house down that should be packed with 50,000 people, and you don't have that because people are dipping out, you know? Right. It's it's crazy. Now, I did want to switch gears and just go into some of the wrestling news of the week. Um, interesting thing that came out was, and, and it was funny because I had got a survey from the WWE Network about this. Um, that there's the possibility of them starting to offer other promotions and indie content on the network. And, you know, I've talked about this the last couple of episodes that they've kind of been teasing it. I saw it in the last survey that, you know, the WWE sent for the WWE network. I don't think, I don't think it's bad at all. I think if they were smart and, you know, I said this before, if they said, Hey, for 15 bucks a month, you get all the WWE stuff, but you could watch evolve and ring of honor and you know maybe another another small promotion maybe pro wrestling gorilla then i think people would pay that i know i would yeah i i see i can see that it's gonna go around that way but the problem with that is that you know the the genuine aspect of those type of promotions is the fans 
and you know, I think the fans appreciate more of the 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 individuality from the main roster, the the, the main promotion, right? But um, and you know, with WWE, they they'll police a lot of things. So let's say for the like the content from Evolve, which is Evolve is not that bad. They're no. pretty you know, they're very civil. And then you have like a you know, pro wrestling gorilla who can, you know, can take it to a, it's, it's hit or miss. Well, you know but what? If it's one thing, if it's one thing that they will take it and not, you know, fully police it. Right. I think it could work. I would pay the $15 for it. Well, I, you know what it is? The uh, UFC fight pass. Now, you know, they air other smaller promotions. They air Invicta and the UFC just, what they did was they did it as just a way to add additional content to the network. To, to your point, I think if WWE said, hey, listen, you're going to handle all your stuff. We're just going to stream it and show it, and that's it. We're not going to tell you how to run your promotion. We're not going to tell you how to book. We're just going to be a conduit to allow you guys to reach more people. I think that it becomes a win-win because you know guys like us or people that are into wrestling are going to pay that extra money, which is more revenue, which you know WWE is not going to say no to. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where these smaller promotions, they may start, they may stop depending on a lot of the bullshit because they'll realize, oh, man, you know, we don't got to really go too hard to sell people on this because people are going to watch it. You know, one of the things that I've always said with Ring of Honor is, yeah, Ring of Honor, they sell, they sell you on, you know, Final Battle and their pay-per-views, but the quality of the wrestling and the quality of the programming is so good that, you know, it's a no-brainer that you're going to watch it, you know? Yeah, and I think with, when when it comes to indie wrestling, you know, fans are fickle, and they they have like you know whatever attention spans they that they can have. Right. But with the network, it's like you know, at least it gives some type of levity to to what that promotion is. Right. So now it gives a lot of indie promotions. Let's say you know the 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 beyonds, the strong right. styles. You know those those promotions to sit there and say. I gotta get on this network. Right? How can I get on this network? Exactly. So at least to step their game up to get there. And that's what I'm saying. You know, iron. The one thing you've always heard me say. You know, iron sharpens iron. I think that if you give people the platform to showcase their abilities and to showcase their skills, we're gonna get something special out of them. I mean, Lucha Underground is proof positive that if you have a decent concept and performers that believe in what they're doing, you're gonna get some amazing shit. Right. You know, now I love the fact with Lucha. With, 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 uh, before you you move on, I love the fact with Lucha is that wrestling has become so smart with everybody. Is that we know how it's filmed, right? But it's just captivating wrestling. Yep, it is captivating. Like, yeah, it's like I, I I don't think that WWE is able to do that. I would think like uh, Ring of Honor or TNA, especially a TNA, can you know piggyback on what Lucha does. Nope. Because it's their style. Absolutely. It, it could is, be. Yeah. It's, it's their own thing. Now, you know, while we were on the subject of the network, there's a rumor that they're going to be scaling back to 16 pay-per-views a year, but that they're also debating bringing back the Elimination Chamber as a Raw-only event uh, in February. Curious to see if that's going to be the case. And then they're probably going to make Fastlane a SmackDown event. Well... If you you're making elimination chamber just uh, making it exclusively to both, then you're looking at possibly adding it as part of the major four. It's going to be the major five. 
No, I think what they're going to do is they're going to scale it down to 16. They're going to give the Elimination Chamber to Raw, and then they're going to give Fastlane to SmackDown. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what you're saying. Okay. Right. Um, fine. But, I mean, I just, to me, I think Elimination Chamber kind of lost its luster after a while. Yep. It was um, definitely, uh, it was definitely Fastlane, overdone. Yeah. Fastlane is like, who cares? I think there's a... You really, they, they really should tap in the well of old WCW. Absolutely. Um, I've said it. Halloween Havoc, Great American Bash. Yeah. Um, you had a class, the Clash of Champions, which they brought out. Um, dig a little deep and, and you'll find some, um, even sold out or something like that. Make it, make it fun. Like, do something. You don't have to be, that fascination is so fucking non-quintessential. It means nothing. Put like put something out there that uh, that that people remember and were tied to it. I would probably, you know, you you made a, an interesting um, interesting comment about you know instead of the big four, the big five. You know what I would do? I would make a joint pay per view with Roy SmackDown and bring back War Games. Exactly. And you know what? I was just about to say that. Oh, a, a War Games. Like, yep. That kind of thought process, like bring something to 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 the to the masses that. People who, since you want to bring back the old, the older fans, older fans are saying, "Oh my God, you're bringing back war games! Wow!" Like, yep. you know, something like that magnitude. Yep, I I think that would definitely be an awesome idea. Um, there's also a, an interesting rumor that's been floating around. Wrestling Observer was talking about it too. That NXT allegedly is going to start go, going to live shows. I'm not sure whether or not that's going to work. Nope, I, think the I don't think so. Of what it is now is good. Yep. Leave it alone. Um, leave that shit alone. Yeah, leave it alone. With NXT, if you go live, the one hour is not really going to work because a lot of people want to see the talent, but the backslide is that, is that there's not a lot of talent there yet. Um, so I think they should keep it the way it is. David in the chat says that you could include a War Games match in Survivor Series. That would be pretty badass. I'd take that too. I think that would be that would be bananas. I did um I did want to give guys uh a Jimmy Superfly Snooker update. You guys uh you know a lot of people may have forgot that he was being um tried for involuntary manslaughter and third degree uh murder and it was from the uh the death of his girlfriend in 1983. Um it turns out that unfortunately uh it seems that according to some medical reports that have come in that Jimmy Snooker has like terminal illness. And that they're saying that, you know, he is uh, mentally unfit to stand trial. And the, you know, the the prognosis is pretty grim, man. They're saying maybe he's got three months, which is insane. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that I had, a, I had a lined up for TRSS. And it's like, <clears throat> I don't want to be a dick about it, but it's like, you know, sometimes karma hits other people. But right. Allegedly. But it's unfortunate because... You know, if it does occur, you will never know what really happened. Right. And it, and on top of that, it just sullies. It sullies a legacy of a guy who was an incredible performer. I mean, you know, he's, he. It, you know, this situation with him raised a lot of questions because a lot of people that have discussed the case and a lot of stuff I've read about the case, it's like most people are pretty much like, yeah, he did it. You know, it's not yeah, even like it becomes now a thing. Yep. Like they're you like, oh. What, how he's gonna, how, how you know, how how it be resolved? Right. It just there's no there's no res 
No resolution for other it. Family that's involved in this that yep. wants resolution. That's right. And you know, unfortunately, that may not be the case. Um, you know, he's been he's been in and out of the hospital. You know, suffering from delusions, infections. You know, they're saying he's not healthy enough to travel. It's just it's just a really unfortunate uh, situation across the board. Because as I said, as a fan that watched Superfly wrestle, it's it's unfortunate if if when he passes. The, the only thing that'll still be fresh in people's minds is the fact that maybe he might have killed his girlfriend. You know, it's pretty insane. Yeah, the fact that he, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a bummer. It's a bad, yeah. One thing I, I wanted to mention, you know, we were, you know, we were talking about the New Day earlier. And, you know, one of the things about the New Day that has made them interesting is the fact that they defend their titles under the Freebirds rule. And WWE is actually confirming that the Wyatts will be adopting the same logic by the way i love the whole randy orton wyatt's thing it's so weird man but it works i know it is but it's so awesome at the same time yep it's just a thing to where like uh when when uh, on trss i i i i was hesitant early on but if there's anybody that's going to be working alongside the crew because we all sit there and we want them to have the look, right? Have the Wyatt feel, you know. If like, let's say if they were looking outside, we would say like, you know, the Briscoes would be a type of guys that would yep. come in, absolutely, and have that Wyatt look. But when you look inside and you said who would be a Wyatt kind of person, nobody would think that Randy would fit, and yep. he does. Like he really, really does. Well. You know, so no, cool. you're right. Well, you know, I think it's going, it's going to be cool. I think, you know, David in the chat said it. He goes, you know, I think part of the reason why it's been working is because Orton looks motivated. Like he actually gives a shit. I think it's also to a fact where you're looking at two on-screen personalities that may not have looked like it can gel, but it did. Yep. It's like when you look at, um, uh, um, in, in, in WCW, when you look at that, you know, the Dungeon of Doom yep. pulling somebody in that you didn't think would work with them. Like, and then when, when they actually got it in and it was like, oh, shit, OK, I get it. This I, is like the, the same kind of thing. I always say one, a good example was when you looked at the Four Horsemen, when they brought in, you know, when they put Mongo as part of the Four Horsemen, you know, like you looked at it and you're like, really? That guy? But, you know, it not just a, it just a, worked. Not, that sucked. <laughs> you know what it is with Mongo? Like, like he was such an over-the-top dude. And, you know, he had that flashy, you know, the pro football player look. It was, it wasn't, again, it's one of those things when you look at it at a glance, you're like, wow, that was just really bad. But every time I look at, like, that particular body of, uh, that incarnation of the Four Horsemen, they were always involved in some wild shit. And Mongo was always the guy that was willing to take that ass whooping for the team, you know? I would have, I would have probably said um, Benoit because Benoit was not in horseman caliber because he wasn't, you know, uh, limousine riding. No, 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 definitely wasn't. Yeah, he, he, he was the opposite of that, but he was the technician and he had that the persona. I can that I can get. Well, Arn Anderson wasn't that either. Listen, when it comes to Randy and the Wyatt, it's like. Randy, in your mind, is he's the he's the leader. He you, has to run them. 
You, well, you know what it is? What? When I look at, at the Wyatts and their dynamic, I always look at it like, you know, Bray Wyatt's supposed to be like a serial killer, cult leader. Luke Harper's supposed to be like, you know, the deliverance, right. the deliverance type of a dude. I always look at, at the way they're presenting Randy Orton like if he's like an American psycho type of a dude, you know, a pretty boy dude that might kill you. You know, like I, I, I've noticed that that's yeah. how the presentation has been in a way. And then the other thing is like, we've always said that, you know, the Wyatts could walk through WWE without titles because they don't really need it. Right. But when they won it, it was like, damn, that was pretty fucking cool. That yep. was like, I could see it. Like, I, I, you know, like I said, they, they need to like not, you know, not wear it. You know, if when, when, when they come to the ring, have fucking uh, uh, Luke wear it, have it over his shoulders, and while the other two just walk to the ring, like it's just something just to have. The belt should just be like in a burlap sack. <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. No, you're right. The um the last bit of wrestling news I wanted to talk about before we wrap up was the announcement that uh Linda McMahon is part of the Trump administration. She's going to be head of the Small Business Administration under Donald Trump's presidency. They made the announcement earlier today. Um, Donald Trump put out a statement. He said, uh, Linda has a tremendous background and is widely recognized as one of the country's top female executives advising businesses around the globe. She helped grow WWE from a modest 13-person operation to a publicly traded global enterprise with more than 800 employees and offices worldwide. Linda is going to be a phenomenal leader and champion for small business and unleash America's entrepreneurial spirit all across the country. Now, originally she was under consideration to be secretary of commerce, but that nomination ended up going to Wilbur Ross. Now, before, before I get your thoughts on it, I got to say a couple of things. Number one, this is huge for WWE, huge, you know, the, to use a, to use a Trump word, huge. And I say this because Linda McMahon Vince, it's a family owned business. It was, you know, started very small and it grew into a juggernaut all while keeping it for the most part in the family. And yes, you know, there's always going to be questionable things about it. And I'm not even going to break it down on a political level. But when we talk about how small business is grown and somebody at the helm, I got to be honest. I mean, you know, love hit Vince or hate him. The guy has a fucking mind for business. Like a lot of the stuff that he's done, you'd be like, yo, that's not going to work. And yeah, don't get me wrong. The XFL didn't work, but the concept was interesting enough that people took notice. This is a guy that said, I'm going to create a wrestling network that's going to offer 24 seven wrestling content. And I'm going to buy every piece of wrestling content out there from every promotion. And you guys are going to pay to watch it. And sure enough, that's what we're doing. So it's an interesting pick. And it also positions the McMahons at some point down the road to actually get into the political arena. It's crazy. Well, I think I'll save it for TRSS with my whole full rant about the whole Linda McMahon thing, but I'll just say it like this. One hand washes the other. And um, when it comes to this pick, it's a, it's a contradiction of what the whole Trump, uh, his, uh, his montage and his 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 his, uh, his his rhetoric was about right. keeping you know government what it is, and he just basically did what the contradiction is. Now, as for what you said, it, totally correct. You're you're right. It, it, it is 
mom and pop business, so what, that turned such a great uh, business avenue for all those within the company and right. outside and brought in you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's, um, like I said, who is it that benefits from this? It's us or is it them? Well, I feel, I feel. I'm, 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 I'm one of those that says that they are the ones that are going to benefit more than anybody. From oh, this. yeah. I think, listen, from a political, from a strategic standpoint, I definitely feel that it's just a nice way to get your foot in the door from a political standpoint. But in terms of just what Vince always wanted, Vince of eggs, wanted exactly, exactly. And that's and that's no different than Triple H marrying Stephanie. You know, it's about finding a way in again. I'm not saying and I'm not I'm not trying to even go down the political rabbit hole. But I look at it from the perspective of if you want to talk about small business and growing from nothing to something. There's no better, there's no better success. Well, let me rephrase that. There are plenty of great success stories out there, but the WWE success story is one that is still being written. But who, but I, I do ask this though. Is she the political story? Is she the success story? Or is it Vince? If so, why didn't you put Vince in the No, no, no. Vince, Vince could never be in any sort of political office because that motherfucker got way too many skeletons in his closet. But we have a we, we we had a state that didn't vote her for a position twice. Right, but that's also because at the end of the day, when it comes to po- when it comes to politics, and I use this as the way to kind of ice that off, you need to make sure that you're in bed with the right people. And when she ran, she was probably just running with you know the best intentions, her own money, blah 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 blah. And it's like that movie, The Distinguished Gentleman, with uh, Eddie Murphy. You know, he ran originally with the as a con. And then when he got there, he's like, fuck, I can actually do something right. It's the same thing. She ran with the quote unquote best intentions and it didn't work. Which is basically what I said, which I thought Donald Trump did anyway. Right. I always said that Donald Trump ran with a distinguished gentleman. Right. With the distinguished gentleman gimmick. And um, that's what, you know, she ran it the right way. Hey, I'm going to use my own money. I'm going to say the right things and do the right things. And it didn't work. But now that you got, quote unquote, your foot in the door, now you have other things at your disposal. You know, you're going to build connections. You're going to fight. the. You're going to find the right bribers, a.k.a. the right lobbyists. You know, you're going to find the right strategists that you didn't have before because you weren't in the inner circle. You see what I'm saying? The game changes and it and it changes not just for, for her as an individual, but even for WWE, because think about it, WWE now has essentially an inside man in politics. You know, any sort of legislation issues. Like I don't know when it come when 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 I saw this, I just I'm one of those that I'm, I'm I I pay very close attention to a lot of these things, and I'm just watching. And I'm like, I was not I was not happy to see it, and I'm a person that's like. Not the one I'd be like, hey, you know, a wrestling person isn't yeah. like, nah, this is even in heightens the scariness of what's going on. Dude, when very, very scary. When they announced it, you know what I said? I said, I said, well, that's Vince McMahon calling in a favor. That's all it is. Yeah, and and that's that's exactly what it is because he was a big yep. Trump supporter right. and all that. And uh, he was, was the favor game. And I'm like, because she was supposed to be, like, like you said, for, for commerce and all. And I'm like, this is. Dude, dude, uh, it's I, like I said, this 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 related to something else, but this is this is 2017 is going to be very very interesting. Man. Dude, very listen, interesting. Th- like like I said, you know, and the, and this is 
how I view it. At the end of the day, you know, they called in a favor. Definitely be wrestling. You know, they called it. They called in a favor. She got the nod. And this may open the door to a bunch of other opportunities down the road for anybody. You know, if 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 Stephanie McMahon decided that, you know, if Linda said, I'm going to groom Stephanie McMahon to run for, I don't know, the Senate in Connecticut. Exactly. Steph is going to be governor of Connecticut. Exactly. But the only way but the only way that you're going to get that type of clout is you got to get your foot in the door. Period. You're gonna get your. You got to get your it, foot it, in the door. Rather, than, rather, rather than for me to be jovial to sit there and say like, it's all hey, a work, bro. Like the governor of Michigan, dude. It's a, it's a like, work. God, this is kind of, it's a work. Yeah, you know it is. A work. It's a work across Weird. the board. But it's just funny to watch it unfold. Like I can just imagine, just you know, Vince like, oh, I can't be at Raw this week. I gotta go have dinner at the White House. What? <laughs> yeah, you know. Like I said, motherfuckers just sat there and voted for Lex Luthor. And in 2020, if he's still alive, Vince could be in office. It's oh, weird. my God. Imagine that. Damn it. We're going to bomb them all to hell. Hit the red button. But you know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny is that Vince must be kicking himself in the ass going, shit, I could have done this. Like, I could have I could have ran for all this. Oh, my God. 2014, could have been me. I, I, all I said to myself you know, we were joking about that in my office, uh, you know, uh, when the campaign was in progress. And I said all of Vince's political ads would be promos of him in the gym drinking raw eggs with Shane shadow boxing in the background. <laughs> That's all it would be. Is this the man you want to run America? You're damn right. That's it. And to be honest, <laughs> and to be honest, Trump was not that far from doing that. That's shit. it, dude. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> But um, aside from that, that was the last bit of wrestling news to wrap things up. Um, as you were you were saying, you got a new TRSS on deck. I'm sure that uh, Josie's boy got a brand new "Call Me When It's Over" in the can as well. Yeah, that's coming down the pipe. Listen, if you guys have not seen the Facebook Live, make sure you check it out. TRSS, the regular season podcast on Facebook. I gave you guys an hour full of. Myself and Josie's boy, it is epic. Go on after you listen to this. Go on regular season sports because right now it is epic, epic viewership. Uh, you'll be getting this week's episode soon. Call me when it's over. We'll be in the can as well. Yep, so a lot coming down. Call me when it's over dot com. Guys, listen, racewords.net. This you're not gonna probably hear from me at the end of the year, but this is I gotta tell you genuinely, genuinely. I would not be where I am, and we always acknowledge <laughs> Josie's boy, myself, and everybody else would not be where we are right now without RageWorks on that, without My Take Radio, without Rich, without the crew. We would not be doing what we do. And we got haters. Oh, we Jesus. Got haters out there. We love it. We love it. <laughs> check us out. This is what we do. Hilarious. We love it, man. Make sure you check us out. TRSSpodcast.com. Call me when it's over.com. This is just, this is what we do. Make sure you check us all out on our social media outlets. That's what it is. We are fucking awesome. And thank you to the man himself, Rich. You're the fucking guy. You are the savior. <laughs> I would, I would. Is. Thank you, sir. I would, I would blush, but you know, brown people don't blush. But uh, thank you for the kind words. And um, I appreciate, I appreciate I the assist. The, the reference you made on Twitter, the, the, twi- the, the reference you made on Twitter is that we are the murderers world of podcasting. Yep. And that is 
fucking dope. I got to make a shirt for that. There you go. All right, brother. Thank you for the assist. As always, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, brother. Peace. Later. That was our very own Jay Santee, and I heard Josie's boy in the background providing commentary. Uh, Shout out to those guys. Make sure to check out Call Me When It's Over, TRSS. Um, That is going to actually wrap up uh, the wrestling for this week, and it's going to wrap up the show as well. So we've given you guys our take on MMA and professional wrestling this week. As always, we would love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media at my take radio on Twitter or at rage underscore works. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official rage works to become a fan. You can also join the rage works group, interact with myself, Jay Josie's boy and the rest of the rage works team. And as always, you can interact with all the listeners and readers as well. Talking wrestling, gaming, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. It all comes up in our Facebook group. And as always, this episode and any of our previous episodes can be found on RageWorks.net. You can also find audio versions in podcast form on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And of course, video of this show and previous shows can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. Once again, quick reminder, we got our Star Wars Black Series contest in full effect. Also, we're going to be launching the 12 Days of Christmas giveaway myself Jimbo Slice, the variant issue. We want to give you guys some dope, dope, dope gift cards from our friends at Newberry Comics. Get the details by checking out this week's episode of the variant issue. Uh, Contest goes live December 13th and will run through the 12 days of Christmas. It will be a daily giveaway. And uh, the final giveaway, of course, will be Christmas Day. Details for that can be heard on this week's episode of the variant issue and the contest when it goes live on the 13th. We're going to have a couple of different ways for you guys to win. And if you want to get in on the Star Wars contest, as I said, details for that are also on RageWorks.net. And it will also be in the show notes for this episode. Thank you guys for checking out the MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio. Join us later today, now that it's officially Thursday, for the gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. All right, guys, on behalf of myself, Jay, Josie's boy Slick, and the rest of the RageWorks team, Thank you guys for watching. See you later. Peace.